lot of the thinking recently has then changed. Like, if we can create a stable coin, but more so from the perspective of like unlocking assets, which you can't really do much with. And those assets are becoming more and more sophisticated. So, for example, the urine vaults, right? You have YUSD, which is essentially USDC deposited in urine to get a YUSDC token, deposited in curve to get a YLP share, deposited in urine vaults to get YUSD, right? So it's like five layers down and it's earning interest, but you can't do much with this token, but it does have intrinsic value. So the current thinking is that if we can make all these assets which are lying around, making them more useful. So like you could use your urine vaults as collateral to mint a new stable coin, Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Lamb. Wherever you are, whoever you are, crypto skeptic, half believer, or enthusiast, it's really great to have you tuning in to Crypto Unstacked, where we bring you a cup of crypto every week and unstack everything from crypto finance to global macroeconomics. This week, I chat with Kerman Coley. As you'll find out, Kerman is a man of many things, an engineer, a content creator, and a community builder. You might already be familiar with him from his DeFi Weekly newsletter, or you might be a Kerman token holder betting on his success. In this episode, we talk about all that as well as his new project called ARC, which, as he explains, is the maker DAO for the long tail of assets. We explore how ARC is unlocking value in otherwise illiquid assets and how he's building the protocol and its community by embedding gaming incentives. We also touch on his thoughts about the social finance revolution and his experience being an early pioneer of a personal token. It was a fun conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. As always, thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Carmen, welcome to Crypto and Stack. Thanks so much for hopping on the show. No worries. Thanks for having me, Leslie. So, Kerman, for our viewers and listeners who aren't familiar with you, I'm just going to give a quick rundown of your background. You're an engineer by background, building tech products from a really early age, and I believe you sold your first company at the age of 20. In terms of crypto, you were part of the early DeFi crew before it was really a thing, and you launched a decentralized consumer payments project called ADEX, which then later evolved into Helis Network. And this was back in 2019. And you then went on to work with other companies such as Immutable, which makes blockchain-based games. And then you spent some time working with Zora, which is an Ethereum-based marketplace that tokenizes limited edition goods, which I find super, super cool. And today, more than one year later, uh, you have a growing audience around your weekly newsletter and YouTube channel called DeFi Weekly. Uh, you have an eponymous personal token named Kerman, and now a new project called ARC, which will be the focus of our conversation today. So you've been keeping busy, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's I think uh, when when you kind of get into crypto, you have all these ideas, and then you kind of fall down the rabbit hole, and you kind of learn what's feasible, what's not. Uh, and going through that journey is really fun. So yeah, but as you said, like I've kind of been all around the place, and yeah, it was pretty succinct what you kind of described and what I've been up to. So great job on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, as as we'll talk about today, it seems like 
there is this common thread across all of these different experiences that you've had, which is that you're interested in exploring creative avenues when it comes to crypto and specifically the intersection between crypto and games. Is that a fair way to categorize at least right now where your interest is and where you're headed with ARC? Yeah, it's, I think it's where you kind of go through these experiences and then you kind of don't know how they'll connect up. But once you reach your destination at some point in the future, you can kind of link everything back. So yeah, DeFi gaming has been like something that I've been like looking more into and especially like trying to draw more on those experiences for uh, ARC. You write a lot on various platforms. You have your own Substack, you know, and, and Medium. And in the first Kerman update from June, you summarized something that Kerman holders talked about during the first meet and greet that you had. You know, I remember one thing you wrote is, <laughs> is this synthetic asset protocol idea worth pursuing or not? And this idea is ARC, right? Yeah. It's, it's the project we're talking about today in just a few months. You basically materialized it into a project that has, you know, hundreds of users, I believe. And it's kind of a testament to how quickly biddling happens in crypto. Yeah. Wow. I'm amazed that you kind of went that deep. But like I've been deep in DeFi game for like many years. And I've like got this idea on like, I think space in the market, which has like a lot of really interesting potential, but wasn't sure whether to pursue it. And uh, I think what I ended up doing from that point was just like building it out on the side and trying to just, when you write code uh, and you build something real, it helps you materialize what you're building. Uh, and I kind of just started doing it as like a weekend project, a little uh, a little bit each day. And then it re reached a point where kind of like DeFi was essentially at a really good point. And it seemed like the right time to actually do something. Like one thing with previous ventures, which I attempted was the timing wasn't great. Like the first one, I started raising right as the price of ETH was crashing from 1,000 to 500, then 500 to 200. So like capital markets look entirely different when you're over there and it's not a fun time. Uh, so in this case, it was like, I had deep experience in DeFi, built something like which actually works and is live. Uh, and there's a really big market for it. So let me let me pursue this. Even if I don't really get any money, let me just uh, like build this out by myself for a couple of months. So I uh, spoke to Jacob, who's the founder of Zora, and like, hey, I really want to go full time on this. And he actually was like, cool, count me in as an angel. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> a very unique kind of like, I just quit my job kind of response. And then from there, uh, I kind of told my close network that like, hey, I'm going to be pursuing this thing. And they don't even really fully know what it is, but they're like, look, we want to back you. So like, here's some soft commitments. And then by the weekend, I was like furiously creating pitch deck. And then it was like 30 or 40 pitches over the next two weeks, six Zoom calls a day, most of which like were successful. And then like closed out that round and then kind of got back to building. <laughs> so it was pretty crazy the way that it all came together and yeah since then it's been like navigating through the idea maze but we can touch more upon that soon absolutely so i've read a ton of articles about arc and the project is described in a lot of different ways one way it's described is as a generalized synthetic asset protocol it's also been called an ethereum money game uh, for creating new synthetic assets 
And probably the, this next description is the easiest catchphrase to remember. And that is the MakerDAO for everything. Um, so help us to better understand, you know, what ARC is and, you know, which description is the most fitting given how the project has evolved and iterated over the past few months. And I think a great way to help us learn about that is to tell us, you know, who ARC is created for. I think that would set us up quite nicely. Yeah, so I think the initial, uh, <laughs> I'm more of a technologist, so I didn't think too much from the user, but more of the technology in this case. Uh, but you can map it to the user. So the user is essentially someone who like has some asset that's lying around and wants to do something more useful with that asset. That was like the initial thinking. That's kind of what makes MakerDAO really powerful. You have like this ETH lying around and then you convert it into this US dollar, which you can use to like pay your bills, yield farm worth, and do all of these amazing things. So I kind of look at synthetic assets as it's like a almost, it's kind of like alchemy where you convert one thing into another, but the beautiful thing is you can go back to the thing which you started off from. So that whole concept just really intrigued me. And the initial thinking was that like, what if you could create like a stable coin for every single asset under the sun? And then you can kind of choose, like create a mega stable coin, which contains many smaller stable coins. And so we start off with Link. So the idea was you deposit Link and you get Link USD. And to make the whole like concept of like building out this protocol, I thought, why not phrase it as a game? And the idea around the game was that like, okay, we're starting off is a community building the single asset up. And as you play through the game and advance through these levels, it's like a fun experience and it's a collective experience where you're playing with other people. And then like, as you play together, the higher the level, the higher the token price, which means everyone's made money together. And it was kind of meant to be a spin on like the evolution of the network kind of phrased as levels and something which like feels more fun to play than something like ultra serious. This stable coin you're saying can be represented by many tokens, right? Basically a number of different collateral types. Can you give us an idea of what that basket looks like currently and what you hope that it can include in the future? Yeah. So what we eventually learned though, that was like creating a stable coin for each asset is way too hard it's too much overhead to like bootstrap even a single one, let alone many. So like a lot of the thinking recently has then changed. Like if we can create a stable coin, but more so from the perspective of like unlocking assets, which like you can't really do much with. And those assets are becoming more and more sophisticated. So for example, the urine vaults, right? You have YUSD, which is essentially USDC, deposit in urine to get a YUSDC token, deposit in curve to get a YLP share, deposit in urine vault to get YUSD, right? So it's like five layers down and it's earning interest, but you can't do much with this token, but it does have intrinsic value. So the current thinking is that if we can make all these assets which are lying around, making them more useful. So like you could use your urine vaults as collateral to mint a new stable coin, or you can use your Curve LP tokens to mint the same stablecoin, or use like an interest-bearing asset in another platform to mint the stablecoin. And really, the stablecoin is a byproduct of us wanting to unlock value. It's you could almost think of it as a bridge asset between all the crazy DeFi derivatives that are out there. So, like if there's Alpha, who is their interest-bearing ETH, you can use interest-bearing ETH as collateral to mint the stablecoin, which you can then get liquidity for. 
So the scope of assets which we want to target uh, is very different to the ones that you have right now. And you kind of think of it as like a, a diamond, right? You start with USDC, you put it in some app, and then you can come back to StableX, which allows you to then access the ecosystem again. So I'll, I'll pause there because that's quite a lot to take. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to StableX in just a bit. But if we can go back to comparing what you're doing to Maker, can you talk about what the biggest difference is? Sure. So I think it comes down to the collateral types and how we think about the peg. So I've been hanging out one in the elastic supply kind of stable coin uh, crew, like ESD, basis cash. And I think one really interesting insight is the fact that uh, stable coin is more so pegged to a dollar based on market demand uh, and supply, essentially. And what we're experimenting with at ARC, in addition to like these many collateral types we want to onboard, is actually manipulating the monetary uh, supply to make sure that it's worth a dollar. And that monetary supply comes from some simple tools. So if the peg is trading above, we can essentially just mint a bunch of stable coins and sell it on the market to bring it back to things. So yes, that's unbacked debt, but the idea is that when it trades a discount, you can actually buy it back up. So in, to simplify all of that, it's kind of like saying it's an adaptable stablecoin, which can understand how it is placed relative to the market and adjust itself. So if there's too much of that stablecoin, then it says, let's create incentives to pull some out. And if there's not enough of that stablecoin, we can kind of step in and like ease out the market itself. Uh, so that's how I think about like ARC increasingly is that we can use monetary tools to create a safer a more adaptable stablecoin. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about the risk profile uh, of these various pools as well, right? With Maker System, I'm going to quote you here. You've said that it's it has a globalized risk profile. And yep. with ARC, where you're accepting various different types of collateral, something that sets it apart is that these are independent pools with different risk parameters, right? So can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, so I think we ultimately, like as an end vision, would love to kind of go to that but for now like we want to bootstrap and just add everything in one pool right so for now it's like a single stable coin that accepts all these collateral types but down the line we can actually then decompose it to have like category stable coins where we can act as like an agency that assesses risk based on the collateral's risk so like you can have a stable coin for just lp shares a stable coin for personal tokens a stable coin for uh, large cap DeFi tokens so you can create these more granular risk profiles, and that's something we'd love to kind of uh, achieve like down the line. But for now, we're kind of saying like, let's bootstrap into one and then kind of move into those like more tailored risk profiles. I see. Okay. So this is, I guess, where StableX comes in. You talked a bit about that before. Can you talk a bit more about this and how it works? And from this, I know you'll be introducing a few sort of ARC rewards as well, but it might not be immediate. So yeah, can you talk a bit about kind of the current version of ARC? Yeah, so the current version of ARC, which we're launching right now, is the idea you can use YUSD, which is an interest-bearing uh, token from Yearn, as collateral to mint StableX. So you're earning, say, like 10% per annum on the stablecoin or like this interest-bearing stablecoin. And you can use that as collateral and borrow up to 80% of that stablecoin itself. And the really cool thing is if you do this recursively, uh, you can actually increase your interest from like 10% to like 30, 40, 50% uh, simply by nature of like 
you can use, uh, if you have like 100 YUSD, you can mint 80 StableX. Use the 80 StableX to mint more YUSD until you like you kind of go down the line. It's what you see with like uh, comp farming right now. Like that's like an early prototype of that. But we think we can do that with a lot more assets simply as a way to like demonstrate a different kind of use case, which doesn't really exist on the market so far. Diving deeper into the ARC ecosystem, uh, can you tell us how you built up the initial community of, of so-called, you know, ARC angels, I believe that's, that's what you call the, uh, you know, ecosystem players and, and participants. Talk a bit about how you bootstrap initial liquidity and interest in this project. Yeah, so the really cool bit was I had to just write a post on DeFi Weekly and it was like immediately like 2,000 users on the Discord. Uh, <laughs> which was a nice thing, like having distribution nailed for the first time. But one thing which I was really cautious of is that like when you launch crypto software, it's really hard to get right and you want to limit the scope of what you're doing. So if something does go wrong, like there's a very easy way to kind of recover back from it. So we launched this thing called Know Your Farmer when we came out. And the idea was that you had to have interacted with certain DeFi projects and then you become an eligible farmer. So it's kind of like, know your customer, but without any photo IDs or anything, it's simply give us your Ethereum address and we'll figure out, are you an advanced qualified Ethereum user? And what that really allowed us to do is like get some of the most like sophisticated users in DeFi and build alongside with them. Because I took the assumption that whatever you build, it's more of a process and it doesn't happen like overnight. So having like a high quality set of users to build alongside with would be extremely valuable. And that thesis has been really fun to play out because we haven't had to like have new farms all the time. The token isn't tradable, but people are simply here for the experience we've crafted within kind of like the protocol, which through some of the gamification aspects I can touch upon later. And just that we're taking a more slower but steadier approach to building rather than kind of like launch a token, start with yield farming, but then the product is like a lot more delayed from that point. Talk about the ARC levels concept, you know, how are you gamifying network participation? Yeah, so first we start off with like this idea of like these globalized levels. So the network is at level zero. And then like once we get a million dollars locked up, it goes to level one, level two, level three. And like it sounded really nice in the beginning. But what we realized was that uh, it discourages individual participation because usually like if you're trying to reach some TBL number, it's really one whale that pushes you over the line and one whale that pulls you back as well. Uh, so we found that uh, that's one avenue, but maybe not the best. So the other thing which we came up with was that when you yield farm or you, you're earning our tokens, we actually put you on a leaderboard and you can see who's at the top of the leaderboard and how you're progressing up the rank. And suddenly, like if there's some memes in the ARC Discord where people... Uh, farm to climb up the leaderboard rather than for an APY. And that's such a powerful way of like reframing how users think about a network, right? So like, how do I become the number one person, number two? And that was like, okay, here's something like magical, which like a behavior which we like to see and like we can kind of go deeper in. And as a result, like when the farms are live, people are checking like every 12 hours or every day, like, okay, how am I moving up the leaderboard relative to other users? Uh, so that's like one really fun experiment that we launched. Yeah, you're tapping into the competitive nature 
of a lot of crypto folk, um, especially when you make things super transparent, right? I feel like as a player, you kind of get a sense of bonding. It's kind of odd to say because presumably these players have never met each other before. You know, maybe they have have met you through some sort of meet and greet. At the end of the day, you know, these are complete strangers who are coming together to really make the success of the platform or contribute to the success of the platform rather not by chasing an APY, as you say, but by really making sure that the network itself has a sustainable community, right, behind it. And, and you're trying to drive that incentivization through these kind of game-like tools, which I find really cool. Exactly. And like the newer experiment, which we've gone with is uh, kind of like inspiration from RuneScape, where uh, the insight is that like a network needs more than just liquidity to function. Like you need people to like make memes, help other users, like submit governance proposals, so we've like got this concept of XP tokens and like skill sets. So uh, you have like an ERC20 token for every like kind of useful behavior, micro behavior within a network. So if you like critical meme, if you help another user, you can earn this XP token. And you can then collect these XP tokens and you get like your profile and you get assigned a level uh, based on the various tokens you've collected. Um, and that's something we're still kind of fleshing out now, but uh, it's been really cool because suddenly users are like, how do I get an XP token? Because on Discord, we've actually found a way to link your Ethereum address to your Discord. And suddenly, like, in the Discord, you can simply say, like, give an XP token to this user. They bump messages them. They reply with an Ethereum address. And then suddenly, they get this ERC-20 issue. They don't have to pay gas for it. And then on Discord, it updates their role based on, like, their XP so suddenly, like as a user, there are all these like little badges and things you can collect, uh, and they're also ERC twenties. And we're still going to flesh out what you can do with it, but it creates another level of like participation because you're being recognized for like the things that you do. So, literally, just yesterday, we had someone create a Dune dashboard, a Dune analytics dashboard, just to earn XP tokens. Wow! Um, <laughs> I hope right? they gave them tons of XP tokens. That's like very, very valuable. We did indeed. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa, this is super cool. So uh, we gave like a bunch of XP tokens and like everyone knows they're valueless. There's no like yield farming or anything you can do with them. But just the fact of like, oh, I had like these XP tokens is like a big kind of badge to the users. And it's not like there's tons of users t who are earning tons of XP tokens. It's still a very small controlled experiment, but we're, we're building this alongside the actual product. So uh, it's been this really nice kind of like testing or like incubation ground before we kind of like scale out uh, to more users in the next few months. Hey, Unstackers, I wanted to let you know that Amber Group has just rolled out our new mobile app. The Amber app is designed to help you achieve optimal investment returns through market leading interest rate products, yield enhancement and risk management tools all in one application. Right now, when you refer a friend, you can earn 30% of your friend's trading fees and 10% of your friend's interest earnings. Your friend will also earn 10% extra interest. Plus, new Amber app users are able to earn 16% APR on select Bitcoin and Ethereum time deposits. Invite your friends and start earning rewards together. Amber is your gateway to crypto finance. Download the Amber app and select Apple and Android app stores today. Let's talk about the governance aspect of ARC. You know, it's powered by Ethereum. It's got 
features that are inspired by MakerDAO. And for the governance model, you've mentioned before that, you know, you're inspired by Wi-Fi, like a lot of builders in this space are, right? And its creator, Andre. Um, and I think you recently wrote a piece about this concept of meta governance, which is increasingly something that we're seeing in the DeFi space. So can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah. So with governance, like we're still like in a phase where us as a team, we're like doing a lot behind the scenes, but the idea is like eventually we can transition out and like hand that over to the community. But I think it's, you have to do that in stages. Like I think what Wi-Fi did is like really magical and special and it's really hard recreating that uh, as is. And I think governance, we're seeing like all these models come out, but from what I've observed, it feels that we still haven't really derived on the like a really nice solution because I think the more stakeholders you involve, the slower your decision-making process eventually becomes. And a hybrid we've seen, which is really cool, is uh, I want to write about it, but the Spartan Council by Synthetics. And the idea there is that you can kind of elect seven members with your tokens, and then those people kind of make decisions. So I think like for ARC, we're still in control, but it's really nice seeing like what is going on at the cutting edge of governance, especially with things like meta governance, where maybe uh, the top governors of a protocol will be other protocols who depend on you, mm -hmm. right? And that's a really interesting concept because uh, those protocols are very heavily incentivized to make sure you don't fall over. So uh, maybe it's like, I'm thinking out loud here, but governance becomes valuable to those who depend on it. And while governance tokens may not be useful to like an individual, they're a lot more useful to like large protocols and uh, we're kind of already seeing these meta governance fights happen, like with Wi-Fi participating in curve governance to benefit themselves. And uh, I'm sure we'll see more schemes like that come out. Mm -hmm. Looking you know, long term for ARC, one thing that you mentioned in the Discord chat, which I found super cool, is that, you know, if everything works accordingly, ARC should become one of the first on-chain credit risk agencies with skin in the game, right? And, and that is to say these so-called curators of debt, right? These ARC token holders will be able to assign risk ratings to certain individual debt products. And that's certainly not what we see on Wall Street today, which is largely dominated by, you know, two credit rating agencies, Moody's and, and, and Standard & Poor's. Um, so what's the thinking there? Because that is, you know, a really big task, right? Yeah, indeed. And like you want to do that in a piecemeal kind of way. So uh, the beautiful thing about like creating a new asset rather than borrowing USDC, you have like this completely blank design scope of like how you want to do things. Um, and, and that's so like amazing to really like when you conceptualize because people say like, oh, if I want to get leverage, I can just borrow USDC or like mint die. But minting die is like you're actually creating this whole new thing out of like thin air quite literally um and the rules around how you mint this new asset you can completely encode uh however you want and i think if there's this one or there are multiple products which these token holders are benefiting from by them actually being incentivized in the correct way to manage and govern that uh, is like an incredibly powerful tool. And that's kind of why with ARC, there's, uh, I've gone with this model of like continuous emissions uh, to the point where like 
I don't even know what the total supply is. Like we've got some rough estimates on what we think the supply will be, but like even when I did my first round, I never locked in a fixed number because making sure you can continually get more participants in rather than kind of like the people who got in early is extremely crucial for us because the people who come in and be a part of this protocol will be the ones that will eventually run it. And you don't want to be stuck with the same participants who like participate like many years ago and you kind of lock out a whole new generation of like people entering in. As we wrap up the segment on ARC itself, I want to talk about all the other things that you're doing as well. For sure. But, you know, when we talk about this growing network that you're trying to build, right? As, as a longtime DeFi founder and community builder, you've said that the most important thing for a network is getting people to care. Do you find that a lot of your users, um, and this will tie into our next section here, are also Kerman holders, people who have backed you, not for the purpose of building ARC, but to have a stake in your success? Right. And, and to help support you in all your endeavors, whether it be ARC or, you know, something else that you build down the line. Yeah, I think there has been like, I don't know what the overlap is with Kerman holders, but I know there's been a large overlap with the YouTube channel uh, and the videos I make over there. Uh, like literally when I launched, I had like a bunch of people like, hey, I've been watching your videos for ages and like su subscribe to your newsletter. And then you did this new project. So I want to like get involved. Uh, and I think that's more of uh, a different kind of connection uh, you build when you educate people. So uh, one thing, the reason why I created the YouTube channel because uh, you had like these really big DeFi brains and they'd say all these things and like uh, know these concepts intuitively. And there's literally no resources on like how you can intuitively understand the way they speak about those topics. Uh, and you can find like an article that explains it, but like really breaking down each concept to its basic component uh, is one thing that wasn't there. So that's why I created that YouTube channel. And as a result, or like the, even some of the articles that I write and that Goodwill from there actually is kind of a lot of that gone into ARC. And of course there's some people that like hold Kermit as well. Um, although the Kermit token was a really kind of crazy story because uh, it was extremely controversial at the time that I did it. Um, and then like from there to now, like social tokens have become like an accepted norm. Uh, so yeah, like those current holders, I'm really thankful for them backing me and like uh, the way that that kind of played out and that I managed to like give back to them in this way through ARC. So I think there's about 30, 40 holders of them, uh, but it's not just the token that creates that goodwill. It's also like the other things you kind of do in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump right in and, and talk more about the Kerman token We've talked about social tokens before on the show, but it was with Kemi Russo, who also, oh, yeah. I believe, launched hers uh, this year. There's been a lot of interest around what you've just mentioned, this social finance movement. I think it's like hashtag SoFi uh, yeah. on Twitter. And, you know, the role that these tokens play in allowing uh, content creators like yourselves to be creative in the ways that you generate value for your fans, for your supporters. And, you know, some of these personal tokens are more like, from my understanding, income sharing agreements, while others take on a more amorphous form of self-monetization through rewards, right? Such as exclusive access to, you know, someone's time or content. Maybe it might be exclusive contents. 
Um, and so in one of your posts introducing the Kerman token, you wrote, you know, this is not a sale for my personal future income. It's only a redemption for my time for the next two years from you know, the, the date of this post. And I'm sure that has evolved, you know, since the initial Kerman token offering. Kind of looking back, what's been some of your biggest takeaways as a personal token issuer, you know, as a content creator and uh, community builder? Yeah, so I think there is like the personal token space or like the social finance space isn't a lot of nuance to it. So you see like community tokens on one hand and then you see personal tokens on one hand. So community tokens are things like uh, I think the Karma DAO and then like there's a few others where it's like a or like the meme community. I think like there's like the a collective of people and then you have personal tokens which are very centered around an individual and within the personal tokens very then i think the way that i think about it, there's like a break there's a kind of like a three categories that you can think about the first is a personal token is an access token that gives you access to like uh, a person's like inner group or whatever you want to call it and then you've got one which is like cash flow or dividend or like it gives you some sort of tangible value back uh, and the third one, which I kind of ended up morphing into, is like a future call option where you don't know what this thing could be, but you have enough bet on some, have enough belief in someone that you think it could be something. So, like the Kerman token, you start off as an access token plus a cash flow token from the revenues from DeFi Weekly, the newsletter. Uh, but ultimately, it's just uh, changed into a complete call option, which is like essentially being exercised. And that call option, essentially 1% of the ARC supply goes to Kerman holders. So these networks, like a personal token, I think it really depends on like who the issuer is and like how they see that vision kind of playing out. So I know Alex Mismedge, he's like a lot more experimental in the kinds of experiments he's run with uh, his personal token. Although for me, I found that the fact that it's now kind of like a placeholder within the ARC network uh, this is really kind of nice story where like I experimented with this personal token, like had some uh, initial utility and then it's morphed into being part of this like this larger thing. And uh, I, I probably want to write a bit more about that, but that's like a really cool evolution in my mind. The fact that you can kind of back this person, you don't really know how you'll be backing them, but once they do something, you manage to give back. Um, and I think like at its peak, so I like did the initial sale like two cents or something. Uh, and then like at the peak of like the ARC and the DeFi summer hype, um, it hit like a dollar 80 or something like that. Um, it, it's like come back down to like, eight. yeah, no, it's come back down to like eight or 10 cents. Uh, but it's still like you can actually start making venture style returns with personal tokens. And I think like before the pre-seed round, you can then hit like personal token round. Um, and I'd love to see more experimentation there, but I think it's also like uh, there need to be more entrepreneurs who are willing to kind of experiment with a personal token. Yeah, and I also want to explore the other side, right? The critics who say it's because you're basing the premise of the personal token on one individual right, on trusting one individual that the model is flawed, it, it doesn't work, right? There are some people who are big DeFi supporters who don't look at personal tokens in kind of this very innovative way because it almost looks like a securities offering, regardless of whether you, you know, say or, or believe it, right? So 
I, I mean, have you encountered, you know, those types of conversations where people say, Kerman, you sound all good and great. You know, you have obviously a lot of success under your belt, but I just, I can't bring myself to participate in, in something like this. Oh yeah. There are like plenty of them, but the funny thing is that the critics are never the holders and the people who are the holders and who participate like are the ones who actually know you personally. So uh, like as I spoke to other people who've done personal token offerings, it's actually like friends and people like with your close network, which actually participate. And the critics, like a lot of their criticism is that like it's uninformed people that are buying into this. Uh, but based on like the evidence and data, that's actually not true. Um, so it's on one hand, you could say like, yes, it is still dependent on one person. But at the end of the day, like it's your reputation online and those people who, who have like faith in you. So uh yeah like i i can see how these tools can be abused but it's just because a tool can be abused it doesn't mean you should write it off right and like it feels like the way personal tokens are viewed are the way like tokens for projects were viewed in 2017 right like in 2017 it was like oh you do a token for your project you're a token project you're bad you're terrible you're probably scamming and then like with the bear market, investors didn't want tokens and they just wanted equity. And then like something flipped late 2019, start 2020, and now suddenly everyone wants tokens and like tokens are the right thing to do. Uh, so what's right and popular changes uh, relatively quickly over the years. And like, I wouldn't be surprised in like two, three years from now, uh, you have like your local Instagram influencer issuing personal token and suddenly like every person on the planet will be issuing a token so i just think it's an evolution of times uh and what i did was maybe like at the earlier stage of like its life cycle but i'm sure they're going to be a massive thing in the next few years uh it's not a if uh it's a win mm -hmm. and you've written that kerman holders view themselves uh if i remember this correctly like your personal board of directors uh, they, they feel <laughs> like they they are personally, you know, invested in you, right? You know, your, your thinking here is that, you know, whenever you have questions about what to do, you know, with regards to maybe this particular project or your future, you know, career, um, that you can go to these people, kind of use them as a sounding board to make these types of big life decisions. Is that what it's turned out to be like, this sort of symbiotic relationship? Yeah, I think the token was more so like a... Um... I don't know, like an intermediary kind of thing. It's more so like you actually build up, uh, end up like building relationships with the people themselves. Like I didn't have like thousands of holders. I literally like 10, 20 people. And uh, as you kind of like, I've actually gotten close with a lot of those people, like just through like being in DeFi essentially. Um, and you don't really interact with them as a group because like setting those up is like incredibly time consuming, hard scheduling, blah, blah. Uh, but it gives you an avenue that like, hey, I'm connected to you. And it's no different to the way, like, is a project when you raise money from investors, uh, assuming you have the right investors on board, you actually have, like, this, uh, I guess, like, some sort of motivation to stay in touch because, like, there's skin in the game. And I think that's what personal tokens allow you to do. Like, if you, even if you put, like, a tiny bit of money in someone else's personal token, and that allows you to open the channels to form, like, a relationship or a deeper one. Um, and I think that's like a really unexplored aspect, but any like founder who's raised money from investors knows that like, okay, you take money from a set of investors, you're now connected to that network, whatever their network may be. And like, you can achieve that same kind of effect through a personal token. 
uh, which I think is really neat, but also like unexplored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and also going back to the beginning of our conversation when we talked about, you know, future iterations of ARC, uh, what will it look like when you can actually uh, use the personal token as a collateral, right, to mint a <laughs> stable coin? I mean, that's just, you know, taking that meme of like psh, blowing my mind, right? Um, really, truly unlocking, you know, liquidity from something that is otherwise quite a liquid, right? You're either selling it to another willing buyer of, uh, you know, Kerman, um, or you you hold it, right? I, I mean, there's really nothing else that you can do. You're not going to lend the personal token. Um, so I think that's, exactly. yeah. Yeah, and I think like the same thing we'll see happen with like NFTs as well. Um, they're both on the like highly illiquid curve of crypto, but yeah, it's just a matter of time before we have more sophisticated tools to like use them in DeFi. Like the integration of like NFTs and SoFi in DeFi is probably like what we'll see in the next full cycle in like three to four years from now, most likely. I'll, I'll pin that uh, yeah, to, <laughs> <laughs> to things to look out for in, in 2021. As we wrap up the conversation here, Kerman, I did want to ask, what's one of the biggest impacts you feel like you've had on the community as a builder, as a content creator, and what's one of the biggest ways you feel like the community has impacted you this year? Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, with the way that I'll start with how the community has impacted me. Um, When I started off in 2018, like I didn't really know that many people, especially because I came from Australia, Sydney. It's not like you're in San Francisco or like uh, Beijing or like one of those like like Berlin was really big hubs. So uh, I remember for my first DevCon in 2018, like I knew a few people, but it wasn't that much. Uh, But like fast forward like two, three years, it's like uh, crypto Twitter. Uh, a massive family and it's like your telegram or all your friends and like suddenly the community is like crypto becomes your life in a way like in a very real way so uh, I think the way that the community helps you is like you become part of it uh, and it's legitimately like a living breathing entity that you want to like participate in and uh, kind of make your mark as well um, so I think from that perspective, like at first I didn't understand like how, like when people talk about community, it's like this very hand wavy thing. But as you spend more time in crypto, it really does become a part of like who you are and like how you kind of operate within the space. Yeah. So I think on that front, it's been, uh, I think like educating. Um, I didn't really think I would be doing that, but <laughs> here I am. Like, I think what I realized is that a lot of these things are like highly technical, very complex, uh, and they require a lot of concepts to kind of fully understand and uh it sounds really cliche and boring but like education is extremely powerful uh, because it allows more people to get involved with the space and acts as a massive multiplier um to like the kinds of things we can do collectively right so i think like one of the amm videos i've made which explains how an amm works uh, I think like people have viewed that at least like 10,000 times. And to me, that's like, cool. Like uh, at least like 5,000 people now really understand what an AMM is and like they can use AMM products, they can build their own uh, and jump in more. So I think like that's been one thing which I'm personally really proud of. And like, I hope in the next few years I can create this product in this network, which then has an even bigger impact through the value that it creates. And so that's how to summarize it. <laughs> Great. 
So Kerman, the engineer, the developer, the content creator, the builder, you are you are many things. Um, and I'm really excited for our listeners to be able to get in touch with you, you know, and, and learn more about what your vision looks like, at least when it comes to ARC. So what's the best way for our listeners to connect and check out the ARC community? For sure. So uh, twitter.com slash Kerman Coley. And so it's my Twitter handle if you want to connect with me. And then uh, on ARC, the website is just arcx.money. Um, jump in the Discord and uh, everything's there. Great. Well, Kerman, so appreciate you coming on the show and really look forward to catching up again very soon. Likewise. Thanks a lot for having me. As always, hope you enjoyed this week's Cup of Crypto. If you like what you heard, please share and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, and anchor.fm slash crypto unstacked. Also check out our Crypto Unstacked YouTube channel. I'll provide details in the show notes. Until next time, take care Unstackers and see you at the next episode. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered as financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Amber Group to buy or sell any financial products. Information expressed by the host or guest in this podcast does not necessarily reflect the views of Amber Group.